0: Welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I'm sitting down with Coach Lisa DeLuca. Lisa is a coach for our Lift to Get Lean community. She is in our VIP community and also the head coach in the Revive program. In this episode, we're talking about the real challenges of working with peri- and postmenopausal women, and you might be shocked as to what they actually are. So I don't want to give everything away in this intro, but I know you're going to be a little bit surprised when we tell you what our biggest challenges are. Before we dive into all of that, Lisa gives a little insight into her own perimenopausal journey and what it's like being on the other side of it. So I know you're going to find this episode interesting, and like I said, it's not what you think. It has to do with the reprogramming that we have to do because anyone who is in this age group of perimenopause of perimenopause, you were growing up during a certain point of time when skinny was the ideal, and you probably witnessed your mother doing some things. The messaging was just all around us and it has been all around us since we were very little. So now our job, now that we know better, is to now do better. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Far From Perfect, everyone. Today, we're here with Coach Lisa, and Coach Lisa and I, we've been working together since 2019? Yeah. That's great. So Lisa is, you know, one of our coaches, and she is a mastermind behind our Revive program. And today, what I wanted to talk about was the actual hard part about working with women in in perimenopause, because a lot of people think, oh, it, it must be the workouts. Oh, it must be teaching people how to, you know, do macros. Or even as a participant, you think like the macros are going to be the hard part, or you think, you know, getting your workouts in is going to be the hard part. But Lisa and I have a little bit different perspective on really what is not only the most challenging part of working with perimenopausal women, but also the most important, part, most important pieces of the puzzle as it pertains to you thriving in perimenopause versus just getting through it or being miserable during it. And before we dive into the hard parts, I do want to talk about that, Lisa, Like we can thrive through perimenopause, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like we don't have to. I mean, I know your story. In case will will you back up a skosh and like tell your perimenopause story? Because it was a story of this is not fun.
1: <laughs> no, and I mean, I really wish I knew then what I know now. But I mean, luckily I already had a lot of the lifestyle factors dialed in. I was I was already eating healthy. I was eating my protein. I was strength training. Um my stress wasn't managed well, and I wasn't sleeping enough, but you know, I had, I had some of the big rocks in place. So it probably could have been much worse. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I don't recall when it really started. Cause I feel like it all hit me all at once. i had come out of a really stressful situation. And I feel like my body was like, girl, we're done taking care of you here. <laughs> and it was yeah. everything. And for me, it was a lot of the crazy bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, where I bleed super heavy for a couple of weeks, and then it'd be every couple of weeks. And I kept going back to the, you know, gynecologist and she would do some tests I'm like, Oh, you're fine. Do you want birth control pill? No, <laughs> I, I I don't. I really don't. Um, you know, the crazy, crazy moods. I mean, menu rage was real. Mm-hmm. I was able to hold it all together at work all day. And as soon as I got home, there was like nothing left. I was the, the meanest person to my family. And you know, that's that kind of made me really sad. Mm -hmm. Um, I I joke about this, but the body odor changes. I smelled terrible and couldn't figure out for the longest time what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then probably what like pushed me over the edge was the acne. I had that horrible hormonal acne that would not go away. And for me, I was coming to the end. I, I think of my perimenopause to menopause journey as like the grand ending of a fireworks show Mm. like where everything goes crazy all at the end. And for me, that was like early 2019. My face was just a wreck. I didn't even want to leave the house. I had those little acne stickers that they sell. I had them like literally all over my face. I had packets in my drawer at work in case I needed to replace them. Um, And then like, I remember that March, you know, I guess this was 2019 uh, where I just was like bleeding almost the entire month and then I was done. <laughs> and it, truly, it takes- I mean, I, it's absolutely- <laughs> that's how mine was. <laughs> I know everyone's different and individual, yeah. but like everything kind of came to that crazy crescendo and then done.
0: Wow. And I feel even you just sharing that story is probably really helpful for a lot of women who are experiencing a couple of these things, if not all of them, going to their doctor and getting that same you know, recommendation, we could put you on birth control, but I'm 45, seven, eight, nine, I am 45 i do not know, years old. <laughs> I don't need to be on birth control. I don't want to be on birth control.
1: Wow. And then when did yeah. you finally hit menop- menopause? So menopause is a year after ha- not having a period. So March, 2019 was the, the month of a period. And then I officially March, 2020, I was like, Yay. I'm done. I, I was praying that I wasn't going to be one of those women where you get your period a month like ten or eleven, and you'd have to start the countdown all over. Like I was ready. <laughs> and the only things I didn't mention because I just didn't realize them at the time were the weight gain in the middle, yeah. um, and the sleep getting worse. But like to me, that those were more subtle. That mm-hmm. I noticed. I didn't even tell them at first. I think the acne and the, the men rage and the bleeding were the crazy ones for me. Luckily, I did not have hot flashes.
0: Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Huh? Well, and I feel like we, I had a previous guest on the podcast, you know, Dr. Jen Salib Huber, Huberman. Um, I can't remember her full last name, but she just, she just had her one year <laughs> since having her period. So she is now in menopause and I feel like we need to start having these parties, these menopause yes. parties to <laughs> where we've arrived like a bachelorette party. Like how fun would that be? <laughs> Like to celebrate this because yeah. it's a good thing, right? Talk to us all about all of the right spots of being in menopause or being post-menopausal.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the group, we always joke about you could wear white jeans whenever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no worries about any surprises there. Um, although I can't wear white anything because it'd be stained. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so quickly. I'm such a slob. But I think for me, the biggest thing, and I feel like a lot of women in our group say this, like you just stop caring what other people think. Like Mm -hmm. you're just ready to live life on your terms. I, you know, don't care what anyone thinks. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to make me happy. And that's it. Yeah.
0: I agree with you. So I just, the reason I wanted to talk about this first is because I feel like a lot of women see it as I'm getting older But since we, most of us are going to start going through perimenopause in our 40s, we are not old. We are not old in our 40s. And just because you're going through this process does not mean that you are old and that you need to settle for anything Um, or, or, or mean that you are less worthy of anything. It's a really bright spot, not caring as much, having that freedom. And to me, that's really what it signifies too, is so much freedom. How often have we been tied to like our monthly cycles, making sure we have to have tampons on us, um, scheduling things around our periods. For those of you that deal with like really bad PMS symptoms, imagine not having that ever again. I mean, that sounds awesome to me. I don't even have bad periods, but the fact that I couldn't go without having it, that's what I loved about being pregnant. One of the things like, I don't have a period, this is awesome. (laughs) But now for our actual topic for today. So Lisa, in your opinion, what is the most challenging part about working with women in this subset, especially considering that we're we're this age now and what we grew up with?
1: Yeah, I feel like the biggest struggle we see is just getting women to eat enough to fuel their bodies for their activities. And like we had talked about before, the Mm -hmm. self-compassion that these women are, we are so hard on ourselves and, you know, just learning to not even like love ourselves, but accept ourselves where we are in in this transition is, is huge. Mm -hmm.
0: It really is. And compound that with the fact that every woman going through this now also was, you know, in her teens or her twenties, in the nineties, we, we were surrounded by images of skinny string bean people being the ideal body type. And so we, none of, I don't think any of us escaped that unscathed. It left a mark on all of us. Not only that, we saw our moms doing whatever. So it's like, there's it's no surprise that we struggle with getting women to eat enough because we've always been told that in order to lose weight and losing weight is your goal no matter what like you can never be thin enough so the goal is always to lose weight you just eat less and less and less and women have been living off of crumbs for so long and I think a lot of women then ask well if I'm eating so little then why am I why am I overweight? Can you speak to that? Like, why is it that some women are under eating, but then they actually do have weight to lose?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, there's a couple of different things at play. I mean, as we know, if, if someone's eating, let's just say a thousand calories a day, at some point the binge comes, like yeah. you're not on a thousand calories a day forever. I mean, it it happens. The things you you eat, you don't even think about it because you're, you're just starving. Um. So that might be part of it. But if you're not eating enough to fuel your activity, your body's stressed, and you know, especially in perimenopause, I mean, our cortisol is already up because our bodies are already stressed, and now we're going to add stress to that. And your cortisol goes up, your body becomes inflamed, so you're going to be puffy, and you're going to be holding on to everything because your body's not going to release fat. She thinks she's she doesn't know when her next meal's coming, and our body's whole job is just to keep us alive. It doesn't care how thin we are Mm -hmm. just to keep us alive.
0: You know, it's so interesting. I was just uh, DMing with someone, one of my Instagram friends, and she was telling me, and she's about my age, right? So perimenopause-ish. And she's been training really hard for the last eight weeks. Nothing has changed. And in a previous conversation, she had shared her macros with me. And I said, you no, no, that's not enough. She's like, but I have weight to lose. I'm like, I know you have weight to lose, but you need more than 40 grams of fat. <laughs> you need more than 110 grams of carbohydrates because you know, I think she weighs maybe 160, 170 pounds. So her being on this, her calories were 1350. And I'm like, Well, there's a really good chance that your body's so stressed and underfueled that it's, it's not going to release that weight. The body has to be in that safe space. And I think that is a really big piece of the puzzle that I understand it doesn't make sense. Like it, it does not make sense. It's counterintuitive to what we've been taught. I eat less, I exercise more, I lose weight until the stress factor comes in. And I think women forget that not eating enough is a stressor, especially when done chronically. And that's what we're running into. It's that years and years and years of under- fueling, if you will, under eating, we can't build muscle. We're breaking away our muscle, which is then lowering our metabolism. So can you speak to that too, the the metabolic adaptation?
1: Sure. So, I mean, our metabolism is made up of our, you know, resting metabolic rate, which is the biggest piece. It's 70%. Then there is you know, our non-exercise activity, which is 15%, the thermic effect of food is 10, and then exercise is the cherry on top, that little last 5%. So the more muscle we have on our body, the more calories our bodies will burn at rest, increasing our resting metabolic rate. What happens when we're on this diet cycle of restricting, you know, we always say that there's a difference between fat loss and weight loss. And when someone drops weight quickly, you are dropping muscle along with the fat which decreases your resting metabolic rate. So you become skinny fat. Mm -hmm. But what happens is when you decide to diet the, the diet, the next time you're already starting from a lower spot, you're going to lose even more muscle. And then when you go off the diet and just start eating like normal, when you gain the weight back, you're gaining more fat back. So in the end you're fatter, you know, percentage wise Mm -hmm. than when you started in the first place. So it's, really, especially as we get into perimenopause, protecting our muscle mass at all costs because it's going to be harder to build it as we lose the hormone stimulus. Mm -hmm. So let's not waste it away by not feeding ourselves enough and having our bodies break it down because if we're not sending the signal that we need muscle, our body's going to break it down for fuel.
0: And I think that's another really valid point that we need to keep hearing over and over and over again. Like our goal now I know for years, you, your goal has been to lose weight, but now your goal, your goal is to now build muscle. No matter what your goal is, even if you have fat loss goals, your goal is to build and maintain your muscle so that you don't compromise that resting metabolic rate. Because this adaptation, at least you just talked about, it just gets harder and harder and harder to lose the fat and you keep having, adding more fat, more fat, more fat. So this is why these chronic dieters, this is why they're always chronic dieting because it doesn't work. There has got to be a different way. We, and we have that solution, right? Lisa, you, you're you so good when you have these conversations with women where you explain to them why it's time to, to stop dieting and, and start eating more to get your body in that healthy spot. And what do those conversations look like to you, I, I, you know, like if I was a fly on a wall, what would I be hearing from both you and the client?
1: Sure. So usually, you know, I'm reading their intake form about how little they've been eating, how much they've been exercising, you know, whatever health conditions they have, um, and that they, of course, they want to be in a fat loss phase. And looking at the numbers and the history, obviously, I don't feel comfortable putting them in that situation. Mm-hmm. And usually, I start with, "What's your goal?" Body look like. How do you how do you want to look and feel? And inevitably, someone's describing that toned look, you know, leaner, having more energy, having more vitality. You know, you name it. And it's like, well, the answer to get that is is not by eating less. It's by eating more. And that's usually kind of the jumping off point because getting them to tell me really what their vision is, and the only way to get there, there's just one way. It's eat more probably do less manage stress and take it slow because at this point, and I've said to a couple people that what's the alternative, Mm -hmm. cut you down to 1200 calories. Like That's just going to make your body more stressed, increase your cortisol more. It's not going to work at this stage. It might have worked for us when we were in our twenties, but our physiology is different now.
0: Right. And we we are resilient creatures. Like we are not these delicate flowers, not at all. We just have to work with our body. It was different when we were in our 20s. Of course that worked for us. It's just It's just different now and that's okay. And I think a part of this is like mourning, like mourning the fact that, okay, I can't work out like that. We can still do intense things, right? We have all other kinds of intense training that we can do, But it's the other stuff thats it's just not serving us. And I love that. Like, what is the alternative? We cannot keep lowering you and lowering you. One of my favorite things to tell people is like, I don't know the lowest calories we've ever given someone, but I'm guessing it was probably like for a small person, maybe 1400 calories. And I'm talking for a woman who's like five foot, a hundred pounds what do you think are the lowest calories you've ever given out? I think I've given 1400 back in the day. Um,
1: and I ran this by you because it hurt me badly to do this. Someone was, I think four, nine
0: Yeah,
1: and maybe a hundred pounds if that. And I, I think it worked out to be like 1350 or something. I'm like, I, I, I can't do this. And <laughs> but I mean, it was even like the higher end of fat loss at that number. Yeah. And, you know, I gave her those macros and like, please let me know if you're hungry. And there were actually two women, very similar. One was a friend of mine. She was fine on those macros, but the other woman was like, "I'm starving." I'm like, "Okay, okay. <laughs> Let, <laughs> let's let's add some more," and and she still was able to to lose a little bit. Yeah, I love she that. More.
0: Yeah, and I think everyone listening, if if you're new to this whole game, your calories are basically dictated by your size, right? So that's why this four foot nine woman only needed. 1350 or whatever it was but if you are of average height and somewhat active you need more than that 1200 calories you need more than the 1300 calories and honestly a man sent me his macros the other day and I was like uh basic I said every woman that I work with is eating more than you Uh wow yeah People Like, I don't think they understand what we mean when we say eat enough, because we're not asking you to eat a lot. That's something I've been really mindful of, too. Like, we're not asking y'all to be in a surplus. We're asking you to eat enough to just cover your, cover your losses here. Make sure that the muscle's sticking around. You got some food, fuel in the tank for your workouts. That's it. And you're out here eating like 1,400 calories and you're 5, 170 pounds. That's not going to work. no. Yeah. So yeah, we're just trying to get you to eat enough. Now, the second thing that you had mentioned previously, when I asked you this question was that self-compassion piece. And what I love, this is so funny because someone will raise their hand and say, I'm struggling in whichever way I've got this going on. Should I work out? Should I do this? And then members of the group will chime in with the most compassion, the most, oh my gosh, you're doing so much right now. Just take it easy. But when they when they themselves are in that situation, they somehow feel the need to do more, get that workout in, stay up late for whatever. Do you do you see that too? Is there is there something that I'm seeing?
1: <laughs> That's exactly what happens. I mean, they they know it. They they know the right things to say. They know the right things to do. But applying it to yourself is like just. A whole nother situation. Yeah.
0: Like I love Lisa's response when someone's asking, like, I haven't I didn't sleep that well. I'm kind of feeling under the weather. Should I work out today? And Lisa <laughs> always says, if you have to ask, you know the answer.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> so true. I mean, I don't know. That is a hard thing. I don't know why we're so hard on ourselves, but it's a real thing. What do you see? What are you seeing with our women in regards to that?
1: Well, I feel like you attract a certain type of person and, you know, that high achieving, do it all, everyone depends on me, woman. And I mean, we're heaping everything upon ourselves and trying to do it all instead of asking for help or delegating or realizing that doesn't actually even need to be done. So you know, that there's only so much we could do. We only have so much energy. And, you know, I feel like it's it's boundary setting. Like, you know, where are my boundaries? Because we're trying to get these women to make themselves a priority on the list or at least get themselves on the list to start with. And so being able to, you know, recognize that maybe I don't need to do all this. Maybe I can ask my husband for help here. You know, just there those like baby little steps that get them moving in the right direction
0: how do you um navigate that
1: great question um i've i feel like i've you know since i'm through menopause already and kind of have a case of i don't really care anymore um i have gotten better at saying can you do this because i've realized my husband will do it but he is not a mind reader he's He's not even intuitive the way I am or could sense like, okay, I think she might need this. Like it's he'll do it if I ask him. And some, you know, I've gotten over the point of I'm annoyed, I have to ask. Like that's just him. Like, yeah. I can't keep expecting him to read my mind because I'm the only one getting frustrated. He's not. So just learning to accept he is who he is, I am who I am. And if I need help, ask him and I'll do it. Great. Boom. No worries there.
0: That's awesome. Was it different, like when you were in this perimenopause phase, and you you had just come out of that stressful time, and you were working a lot, um, and your kids were younger? Was it different back then?
1: Yeah, I mean, I hadn't fully learned to trust that I could fully rely on him. It was still, why don't you realize this needs to get done? Like, why do I have to ask you? And it's just easier if I do it myself, kind of thing. And you know, eventually you burn out of that. Like there's, there's only so much energy you could give to all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like for me, anyway, the pandemic was a blessing in disguise because being forced to be at home, I was no longer commuting to work. I was no longer rushing from place to place and my stress levels went down and it merely made me, I guess, perceive my life and family in a different way. And that's when I started to realize if I just asked, someone's going to do it. And I don't have to do everything, even though I can do everything. Yeah. I don't need to do everything anymore.
0: I love what you said too. Like, it's just easier if I do it myself. I think that gets a lot of us into, into pickles.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because also it's easier if I do it myself, but you know, he won't do it my way. Oh yeah. Well, that's- what's more important that the laundry gets folded a certain way or the laundry gets folded. Like I don't really care anymore. Like as, as long as it gets done, like, I don't, I don't really care. I've let go of a lot of that perfectionism type of thing. Like it's good enough.
0: It's totally good enough. Yeah. Load the dishwasher however you want to do it. I do not care. Brooks Brooks. That's his chore to unload it. You know what? You put that cup there. Cool. Whatever it's, I don't have to do it. I love it. It's so great. But yeah, I think that is something that, you know, a, a lot of us have work to do. We probably haven't mastered it in every area. Um, But I think, you know, just shining a light on it, that awareness, awareness is always the first step. That's the only way that we're actually ever going to create that change. Um, Then the last thing I want to ask you about is just like your personal journey, because I talked about, we're not asking you to eat a lot. We're not putting you in a huge surplus. Well, Lisa is actually in a surplus right now. She's in an actual muscle building phase. And this is what's so funny, you know, women are so afraid of getting bulky, by because they lift a weight, right? It is so hard to build muscle, you guys. I mean, Lisa, you've been trying to gain weight and you you haven't I mean, you you've gained a little bit, but not at the rate at which you want to and you're training in a way that you are stimulating the muscle. So can you just talk about what you're doing right now and how it's going and all the things that go along with it?
1: Yeah, sure. So right around Labor Day, I started my reverse diet to get up to my muscle building or bulking macros, whatever you want to call it, which would have been, you know, roughly a 10% increase over my maintenance. And, you know, got there pretty quickly. All was well, but I've realized, you know, I my plan was to gain like 15 pounds over 16 months. And I'm just like at five pounds. Like I'm not even close to my goal. Um, and how many months so- has it been? it's five months, like I'm coming to the end and it's hard to eat that much. And I've noticed, you know, for me during the week, you know, I work out two of the five work days. It's easier to have structure. The food's all made, but on the weekends, you know, there's less structure. I sleep in, I just can't get all the food in. And I resigned myself to the fact that I'm not going to force it. I'm not a fitness model. I'm not a competitor. Like So, so what? My goal was fifteen pounds. Like, I don't have to get there. Like, the whole goal was to build more muscle, and I've definitely done that. So, you know, if, if I could get all the food in, great. If I can't, I mean, I'm at least eating still at maintenance. Like, I'm I'm never going below that. I'm not not eating that low. And for me, maintenance is like twenty four hundred calories. So, <laughs> my muscle building, I'm, I'm up to I think it's twenty six sixty. So, you my guys, full, for reference, my if you've ever seen
0: Lisa in person, <laughs> you're what five foot what. Five foot three. So that's why I just wanted to circle back that just because you might be a smaller frame person, you're not resigned to only eating that 1300 calories. I mean, there are some, we all have different metabolisms. I could be the same size as Lisa and be able to eat more or less than her. Like we're all different, but I think that a lot of people get locked in if they're petite and like, no, I'm small. I have to eat less. Like there's no way I could eat More than that, well, Lisa's living proof. And I just saw our, you know, our our friend Kim Shaper, who's been on the podcast too. I saw her; she's eating like twenty eight hundred calories for her maintenance. I know she's also smaller in frame, so it's just I I think we we as women need to hear this so we understand. Oh, I thought I was doing good at sixteen hundred calories. I thought that for years, Lisa. Like I told you guys, (laughs) I will never forget. I I was like, oh no, I eat, I'm good. I'm eating sixteen hundred calories. That's good. (laughs) My new trainer was like, no, it's not. No, it's not, Kylie. Like, oh, but I didn't know. I didn't know. So by us like saying these 2,400 calories, 2,600 calories as normal eating, I think we're helping women to see what's possible.
1: Oh my gosh, definitely. And I feel like, I love when they say like versions of I didn't know I was just hungry. Like they were miserable. They were moody. I was bitchy. Like, no, I was just hungry all those years. And just seeing when the light bulbs go off, like, wow, I feel better. Like I'm, I have energy and they're only eating enough. Like no one else is in a surplus, but like me and one other person in VIP at this point, like no one else is. So wait, you and is it you and Anita? Who is it? Emily. Emily. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, it's really hard to gain. So just giving someone enough food to eat is, you know, just makes me happy when they start doing it and believing it. And I feel like the other piece of that, which we touched on before, but really normalizing that people all don't weigh like 120 pounds or 150 pounds. I I had this conversation with my niece. She's five, eight. I forget what she weighs. I'm not going to say it. I'm like, well, duh. Yeah. You're five, eight. Like you're not going to weigh 150 pounds. Like yeah. And I and people are shocked. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm supposed to weigh like 130, 140. No, you're not. Like, no. Don't worry about those stupid insurance BMI charts. Like that <laughs> that's not life. Like but with active women with muscle on their bodies need calories. They will weigh more and be perfectly healthy.
0: Yeah. I I I agree with you 100. percent It's it's like these numbers that we have in our head that women are supposed to weigh. And I don't know any women that weigh those numbers no. or I do, I do, but they're not, they're not the norm, right? Like they're not my muscle women. They're not my strong, active women. We're going to weigh more. We need to normalize those higher numbers because as you build, like the longer we are in this, I know I'm, I'm only going to trend up. Not because I'm getting fatter or my body is changing in any way, except I'm just, we're just going to be building more muscle. So we're going to weigh more. That's how it works.
1: And I think that ties back with the whole self-compassion piece because these women are beating themselves up because the scale might be going up. You know, I'm, you know, 10 years ago, I was a size whatever. And now I'm this size. Well... Mm -hmm. You know, back then you were doing things. You weren't eating enough. You were overexercising. You weren't sleeping. Like you were doing all unhealthy behaviors. You can't look that way doing healthy behaviors, because you didn't look healthy. When and I love when people can look back at the photos and like actually see the lack of light in their eyes and the lack of joy on their faces. Like they were miserable for the most part. Not everybody, but like for the most part. And it's
0: but truly, you know, I I that I saw a quote the other day. Is it really your dream body if it's a nightmare to maintain?
1: Oh, that's a good one.
0: Right? Who hasn't been there? I mean, I was crazy pants and it just not worth it, but you don't realize it. I honestly think you kind of have to go through the whole process to see for yourself. It's not something that most, I don't think most women are going to get it until they go through it and they realize where they were. Like you have to come out of that place before you can see. So you can see how far that you have come. It's wild. Well, needless to say, we have our work cut out for us. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) I feel like I say often, the only way out is through. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: It's so true. And that's like, we both talk about living in maintenance a lot. You're reverse dieting women up into maintenance. You can't get to that next fat loss phase unless you go through the maintenance. It is so, so important you just cannot skip that step. Otherwise you do find yourself on that hamster wheel of that chronic dieting and nothing will ever, ever change. Hmm. Any other final thoughts on this subject, Lisa?
1: Gosh, I could go for days, but I I feel like, I feel like this is good for now.
0: Yeah. It's good for now. Um, You guys, this is the kind of stuff that we talk about. I mean, in both programs, really in both lift to get lean and in Revive, um, but specifically in revive, just because of what we grew up with. As I mentioned before, because of what we grew up with, because of what we saw our moms going through, and where we're at in our lives right now, it is the perfect storm, but it doesn't have to suck like we are talked about in the beginning of the podcast. So we're recording this in what today, oh, today is Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. So we're recording this on Valentine's Day. The next round of Lift to Get Lean is going to start at the end of March and revive is going to start at the end of March. Um, So if you enjoyed this conversation, like imagine having this kind of support and reinforcement for eight weeks, because that's the part of it. Like we'll we'll get women there and Hey, I'm there too. But then you start to second guess. You're like, Oh, or you get scared or the scale does something. And you're like, no, 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 I got to back out. I got to go back to my old ways. But if you have that support, it helps you to continue to see the process through so you can go through and get through to the other side. But in addition to that, Lisa, you take one-on-one clients. Yep. And I want you to talk about, um, the different certifications that you have because you have a specialty that no one else has.
1: Yeah. So besides, you know, precision nutrition, which I feel like I think all of your coaches have that basic training. Um, I've, I'm a certified holistic nutritionist. And I think the one you're alluding to is the certified autoimmune holistic nutrition specialist. So really using food as a way to help yourself feel better, especially, you know, autoimmune conditions seem to be on the rise and there are ways to help yourself feel better, you know, without the use of pharmaceuticals, not saying they're bad or anything like you might need them, but. There's a lot you could do with food and lifestyle to manage your condition, to look and feel your best. Mm-hmm. So
0: true. And they are on the rise, right? Those autoimmune Unfortunately.
1: conditions.
0: And, you know, ladies listening to this, chronic dieting is contributing to your autoimmune disorders, under eating, eating disorders, all of it. So it's like, we're not doing ourselves any favors by living that lifestyle. Truly. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time. You guys, I will uh, put links to all of Lisa's stuff, her Instagram, how you can, like, if you have gone through Revive or Lift to Get Lean and you want to do one on coaching with Lisa, you can book a call with her to see if you guys would be a good fit. Um, She's absolutely amazing. And she cares for our clients like no other.
1: Everybody loves Lisa,
0: <laughs> but she's no pushover. Yeah. She's no pushover. <laughs>
1: I'm your biggest cheerleader, but I will be your best friend and tell you when you're being silly.
0: Yeah. It's so great. (laughs) Well, thank you, Lisa, so much for your time. Thank you for caring for our clients the way that you do. You are the best.
1: Thank you, Kylie.
0: Welcome. Thanks again for tuning in to the latest episode of Far From Perfect. If you enjoyed this episode, You can work with myself and Lisa for an entire eight weeks and get this kind of support and help with shifting your mindset, understanding how to work with your body if you join our revive program. So, depending on when you listen to this episode, let's see, I'm going to publish this on February 15th, 2023. Our next round is going to start at the end of March. So, look for details on how to sign up for that. The waitlist is currently open. Um, I'll put links to that in the show notes. And of course, make sure you're following Coach Lisa on Instagram. I will tag her in the show notes as well so that you can not only be supported during your time with us, but just throughout your week as we post our daily post. Because all we really want to do is support you in feeling your best. Have an awesome day and I'll talk to you soon.